Amen. He is risen. He is risen. (laughs) He is risen means that he's no longer in the grave, that he's not dead, that he's alive. So he is risen is a big deal. Uh, I tell you, it's hard to, to decide what to preach on Easter because you have so many things going through your mind and, and you hear that same old thing a lot of times, but, but he is risen. I can't get it off my mind this week. I keep going back to it and you hear that theme today. He is risen and because of that, we're free. Man, these children sang my heart today as a pastor. They sang about how that they recognized that Jesus had risen by giving their lives to Jesus. And now they were walking in freedom. They were free. They were free and they were so excited about that freedom that they were telling others about it. And that's what the faith is. That, that's what Christianity is, that we get so consumed by God and his love and the victory at the cross because Jesus is risen, that we allow him to change our lives. We allow him to make a difference in our lives to where we are now preaching life. Uh, that was my testimony. That's my story. Uh, some of you can talk about things that I did in my past life that were horrible. But once I recognized that he is alive and began to believe that and buy into it, it brought me life. And that's all I want to talk about. Amen. That's all I want to do. And that's what burns within me. Even when I get tired of the race and tired of the fight, I still want to press in in the end because I know that's all that matters. Uh, Rustin, or Rustin, uh, uh, Landon this morning, man, he did a good job during sunrise, but he spoke about how that, that the apostles, when they went out in that freedom, once they gained that access to realizing that Jesus had rose, that Jesus was alive, they went out and they changed the world. But he made a comment that it wasn't always easy, that them guys uh, had a rough go at times. And, and I could so relate to that getting back from Africa is that, you know, to be honest with you, I was counting down the days we could go home because it was so intense, because it was such a pressure on the body and there's such a pressure on the physical man. But the spirit man continued to well up in me because he is freedom and, and he changes things. Uh, I didn't have time to get it. I just got it. But but brother agree just text me from Liberia. And of course, they're five hours ahead of us. They've already had their sunrise and Easter service. And the church that we helped plant in, in the compound three in the bush of Liberia had close to 100 people again today in service. And we need to give the Lord praise for that. Because of that freedom that we so believe in, it changes lives. And it changed our lives, and we want it to change others' lives. We are free, 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 free. Is that me popping? Because I am a popping for Jesus today. But, but guys, uh, you take away the resurrection, and it takes away the life. 
You take away the resurrection and it takes away the life. But the resurrection of Jesus is all that we are and all that we believe in. You want to get me something else? You see, that's what I'm talking about. Christianity isn't always easy. I'm rushing against the clock. Put me back on. I think it's working, but... But I'm rushing against the clock. We're always rushing against time. And the enemy does everything he can to keep us from moving forward. And, and that's why I'm saying it's not always easy. You know, even when we went over here, uh, uh, we dealt with 37 pastors. I think I got a slide of it that, that they've ministered to uh, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, and Wednesday. And these are the pastors that we ministered to there. And, and guys, I think our team ministered to these pastors on the side more than we realize. I had pastors come to me every day that were so afflicted by the enemy that they were defeated in their spiritual life. Uh, one, something happened. Gary said he thought it happened to, before the last time we went over. But, but a pastor had went, you know, the, the occult and witchcraft and, and demonic things are, are very evident over there. And, and they were praying for a lady at an altar or at a service and she was demon-possessed, and, and I guess when the pastor laid his hand on her, he thought the demon came through his arm and up into his body, and it began to scare him so much that he had a heart attack. And that shook these pastors. And, and, and I tell you, I had to deal with, with at least three or four pastors that were struggling with the enemy having more power than us. Pastors! And I think that was the biggest struggle over there is to convince pastors that the enemy's a liar and they have power and authority over that enemy. Because he is risen, we have life and have life abundantly. And I kept telling them, guys, we are good. And one particular pastor, I'd worked with him all week and it seemed like that it just wasn't breaking and finally, one night before services, 1 John 4, 4 came to me. And then the words of John said, little children, you are from God and have overcome. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And it's just like it clicked. And the pastor goes, I received that. And, and he just it broke through and that, that oppression was gone. But, but we, you know, we, we like to laugh and say that us Americans got everything together. But, but guys, we as Americans are oppressed in the same way. We just don't recognize the demonic powers like maybe they do or, or maybe it's not as easy to see, but it's here. Some of you today don't believe that Jesus rode from the grave and thus you're defeated. You don't get a hold of that. We don't get a hold of Luke 10, 19, that behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. We can't allow the enemy to torment us because he has risen and given us authority to tread over the power of the enemy and nothing shall prosper against you. The Lord just keeps pounding that in me, and I wanted to share that. I, I've got a beautiful sermon built, but, but I don't know that we're going to get there. Because the Lord keeps telling me this Tuesday morning prayer, when we all came together, uh, this, He is risen. He is not here. 
he is risen verse keeps coming to my mind. And Tuesday it kept hammering me and, and so I looked it up and it's Matthew 28, 6. It's Luke 24, 6. It's Mark 16, 6. All of them say the same thing. He is not here, but he is risen. All of them the same thing. Well, this pastor, all I could get on was is, why did Jesus or the, the Lord inspire them to use six? Because it's not found in John. John dumps ahead. And so these three gospels are six, six, six. And, and, and that's what I thought of, of all things. And I prayed and the Lord spoke to me and, and he said, maybe I'm trying to tell you that 666 has no authority over you because he has risen, I have risen, and we're free. And that sounds piddly, and I didn't even want to share it today because it, it sounds dorky, but, but I believe that Bible is inspired and everything is put together perfectly. Why didn't he use 777? Because that's fulfillment. But he used 666. And the Lord just said, maybe because I have power over the enemy. Revelations 13, 18 says, this calls for wisdom. Let no one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of man and his number is 666. So the mark of man and the mark of beast is 666. Revelations 13, 8 says, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. And you think, why did I share that to you today? Because Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus died for everybody in this room, whether you choose him or not. Uh, Jesus died so that if anybody would believe in him, believe that he is risen, would be free. And he writes their name in the book of life. And the enemy, Satan, the beast, the man, nobody can bug us because we belong to the lamb. We belong to the Lamb. We belong to Jesus. That's what believing is today. That's what we need to recognize and, and understand that, that He is risen. He's no longer there. And we need to meditate on that until we get a hold of it, and it will be breathtaking. It'll be life changing for you when you do. But today, as I get into the sermon, I wanted to share one simple scripture today, and I kept going back to one. And so I even Googled it. You know, what's the, 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 the most uh, known scripture or, or what's the scripture that everybody knows? And, and, and can you tell me what is the most uh, lifted up scripture? Anybody say? John 3.16. I heard some others. But it's John 3.16, and, and, and guys, uh, let's stand today and read this together. We'll, we'll sit right back down, but, but as we stand here, and they're going to put the words behind me, uh, this isn't my own. I, I heard another pastor use this before, but the three or the four Ds, but I put it in my own words today. But there's four things in this verse. Jesus describes the gospel Jesus summarizes the gospel. Jesus, you could know no other scripture but this one here today and make it in life. Because there's four things in it. And the four D's are, there's the danger, there's the design, there's the duty, and there's the, the destiny. Four things in that. And I'll get into it later. 
But see if you can find out what those four things are in there. But let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. We'll go ahead and stop there. And you can sit down. But the four D's, I've changed my PowerPoint quite a bit today since I gave it to him because I wanted to really do what the Lord wanted me to do. But point one, the danger. And, and, and you get that in the scripture, the danger that, that Jesus was warning us about is people, you're perishing. Uh, anyone who is not born again will perish. And, and, and he's warning us in this scripture. And, and I thought about the warning signs we see and we drive in different places. Jesus was warning all people, hey, there's a danger ahead of you. If you don't choose me, if you're not born again, you will perish. Uh, perish means to suffer death physically in a typically and in a violent, sudden, and ultimate way. That's a, the world's definition. God's definition is the same, but it's physically and spiritually. You see, death is eternity without God. And Jesus says that, hey, you will perish, suffer death violently, sudden and untimely way if you don't choose Jesus. And a lot of us don't want to hear that today. A lot of us don't want to hear that somebody could be going to hell. Uh, uh, Pastors are getting away from that message, but... But Jesus said in John 3, 18, that you guys started to read into, whoever does not believe is condemned already. And what the scripture meant was, is that we're all condemned. Uh, Whether we like it or not, that we're condemned and and we're going to perish if we're not born again. Again, perish means torment. Uh, Revelations 14 says, the unbeliever will drink of the wine of God's wrath poured full strength in the cup of God's anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of lambs. So you're, you're saying the scripture here in Revelation saying that God, Jesus, are going to watch us suffer this, this torment, this flaming infliction of fire, and God's going to allow us to go there. You know, that's pretty hard for some of us to swallow But God loves us so much that he gave you a free choice to make your own decision. And he'll allow you to make that decision. But God doesn't want to be separated from us. And we're going to get into that later. But we're we're talking about perishing. We're going to be real tight and, and tough a little bit here. But perishing means separation from the glory of God. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9 says, In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance... On those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Pretty, pretty heavy, isn't it? We, we need to be paying attention to this. I always talk to you, if, if, if we know somebody that's got cancer, we're, we're wanting to get them to the doctor and get healed. And Jesus is warning us and saying, guys, you've got cancer, it's death, and you need to be born again. He's telling us the, the heaviness of this. Jesus goes ahead and says in Matthew 25 that, that perishing is irreversible. Meaning once you die, that's where you're stuck for eternity. 
And Jesus is warning us of that. And he says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So again, the unbelievers are going to go into eternal torment forever. No choice. It's not irreversible. But yet the believer, the born again, will go into eternal life forever. But guys, you say, why? Why is this great chasm fixed between us and God? Why is this chasm between heaven and hell? And it's simply because of sin. And whether we like it or not, Adam and Eve, Eve sin, and that original sin is we're all born into it. God, he created us in heaven, if you will. But because of sin, it separated us and they were cast out of the garden. Do you guys realize that, 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 that they ate from the tree and God said, hey, you need to get them out of the garden and put an angel there to guard the garden because if they eat from the tree of life, they will be stuck in their sin state forever. Did you guys know that? Everybody's, oh, God's so mean. He kicked them out of the garden. He kicked them out of the garden because if they ate from the tree of life, they'd be stuck in their sin state. And Jesus, God had an answer for or everybody. It was Jesus. And Genesis 3.15 talks about that, the first prophecy of Jesus. And he talks about it right in the middle of all this this hard times and the separation, God speaking life. And again, I wasn't planning on preaching on that part. Go check me out. Go, go read Genesis chapter 3. You'll see it all. But, but the whole deal is God hates sin because of that. God does not hate us. And a lot of times we think God hates us. He does not. He hates the sin. His attitude towards sin is a feeling of hostility, disgust, and dislike, he, he hates sin. Uh, sin is described in the word as petrifying sores in Isaiah, a heavy burden in Psalms, a defiling filth in Titus and 2 Corinthians, a binding debt in Matthew, a darkness in 1 John. And, and guys, the reason I share them is this is what I felt, this heavy burden before I was saved. And once I got saved, that was lifted from me. That's why God hates it, because again, he hates sin for the simple reason that separates us from him. Isaiah 59, 2 talks about that. Isaiah 13, 11, Jeremiah 5, 25. It was sin that caused Adam and Eve to run away from God and hide among the, the trees in the garden. That's why God hates sin. It separated them from him. It separates us. Sin will always bring separation. And the fact that God hates sin means that he hates being separated from us. We need to get an amen on that. Amen. Because God loves us so much. He hates sin because it blinds us from the truth, Matthew 5, 14. And God wants his children to have the full riches of complete understanding, Colossians 2, 2. God hates sin because it enslaves us and will eventually destroy us. Judges 16, 21. God hates sin because it lessens our love for him. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Again, that's why Jesus, that's why God sent the cross. That's why God sent Jesus. Uh, today, point two, the design is love. For God so loved the world. That was God's design 
We were created to be loved by him. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love this quote by John Piper. The love of God has rescued us from the wrath of God. Think about that. The love of God has saved us from the wrath of God by us being born again. He gives us choice. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is Easter lily. that They're about dead. I, I put them in here and I should have watered them. But uh, we don't get watered. We get like this too, but it maybe will come back. But the Easter lily represents, we get in here, rebirth, purity, new beginnings, hope, and is most often associated with the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we observe Easter. And, and that's what this represents. This is actually the Easter lily. The rest of these up here are lilies, but this is the only true Easter lily. Uh, you do a study on that. I didn't realize it, but during World War II, uh, because of all the damage and stuff, there was only 10, 10 growers of the Easter lily after World War II because of all the death and destruction it caused, and that preach. But that's for another day. But the Easter lily represents what Christ did. You know, Christ is in the cross through salvation, gave us rebirth, purity, new beginnings, and hope, and and is, is all that we're about today. And so God sent Jesus, and Jesus lovingly laid his down life down for us john ten eighteen, jesus said it hey you didn't take it i gave it uh, jesus did it because he wanted to do it he could have called down a thousand or ten thousand angels jesus did it as john fifteen thirteen says greater love has no one this than this than someone to lay down his life for his friends You know, Jesus did it as John the Baptist saw him and called out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world. That's why Jesus came is that that he knew that God hated sin and it was very important to him that, that people had an opportunity to be delivered from sin. And so he was willing to give his life so that we could be redeemed and so that we could be reunited with God. That's love. So the the cross and God's design was love. And and we need to get that into our heart. And we don't understand. It's hard for us to comprehend this kind of love and how much we need a Savior. But I'll share a little story as we're on a mission trip there. And and again, we got back. um, We were coming back in from the bush. And we went through Buchanan. Now, Buchanan's a port city. I've got a slide of the three guys and Joshua in the trunk, if you want to put it up. But, but, but we were coming back from the bush, and we had two vehicles. Well, in Buchanan is a, 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 a I just went blank, a ship, what do they call that? A, when ships, a port city. And so all these ships come in, well, a lot of illegal aliens come in, drugs come in. A lot of stuff comes in through Buchanan. And between Buchanan and Monrovia, there's four checkpoints. And we had to go through all those checkpoints. Well, the first checkpoint, we got through really good. And we're heading on to the second checkpoint. 
And we look back, I'm in car one, which is the picture you see Joshua in. Uh, we were sitting in that, turned around, and car two's gone. And so we turned around, go back, it quit. And they said, you guys get into car one. I don't want you stuck out here after dark. So we all crammed into car number one uh, to the point, meaning me, Jeremy, Gary, uh, Joshua, and Keith crammed into this little car uh, with all of our suitcases and luggage. You couldn't move. And, and we go on into the, the, heading on into the city. And we get through the next port, and the guy begins to give us a little bit of static because Dave's not with us, and all we have is our driver. And he wasn't very polished, and they had a little bit of squabble, but he was wanting a bribe. He was wanting a payoff. Uh, he saw Americans, so he saw money. Well, we worked through that, and we get to the next checkpoint, and guys, they were waiting for us. They pulled us over to the side, and to be honest with you, it was pretty scary for a while. Uh, they pulled us over the side. They wouldn't let us through. Uh, we're carrying, I don't know, $15,000 with us. Uh, there's uh, just all kinds of reasons that, that we could get upset. Normally, things don't bother me, but when my kid was there, it bothered me uh, more than it normally does. So I was very uncomfortable. I needed a Savior. And I began to cry out to our Savior because it was intense moment. Uh, they came out after a while and began to look over the car, but found out our driver wasn't licensed, nor was his car. So they arrested him. And they said, you guys set put, you're not going anywhere. And I'm looking, thinking, what's Mike Kelly's phone number? <laughs> I need Mike Kelly. I need a savior. And, and anyway, the guy's going around inspecting our car and he's talking to us. And we're crammed. I mean, I got suitcases. I, I can barely see him. He probably couldn't even see everybody in the car. And he walks around the back and sees Joshua's head peeking through the little hole there with the hatchback down. And he, he's like, oh, and he freaks out. Get out, get out. And, and they get Joshua out of the car. And I'm stuck in the car. So again, I'm feeling vulnerable. And, and again, it, it's, you know, when I look back, it wasn't a big deal. It was, it was easy, but, but I tell you, it made you think. And so anyway, uh, long story short, we sat out there for a while. Josh was outside the car. They won't let us out of the car. Awkward. And so Josh, or they finally had us all go inside the jail, which is a picture up here on the, your left. And, and anyway, um, we, when we took us in there, I'm thinking, guys, don't let them get your passport. The guys are thinking, I'm carrying five grand. I'm carrying this. And we're, all these things are going through our mind, and we get back in there, and, and actually they basically said, you guys are good, but your driver's not. And, but we're stuck. Well, about then, uh, David, our driver of the other car, come in on a moped. He caught a ride, and he was a savior, if you want to go through, sent by God. And anyway, uh, David went in, and they do their thing, yelling and screaming at each other and all that stuff, and and somebody slipped that picture and about got us arrested again. And I'm not going to mention any names. And anyway, the, um, but we got to go home that night and we got to go out of there that night. So anyway, God was with us and, and, and we needed a savior, but guys, a lot of you are like that today. You're scared. You, you feel empty inside. You feel hurt. You, you feel all these things that I was feeling there 
and you needed a savior. You need a savior today. And we need to choose Jesus and realize that, hey, he is alive. And, and all we got to do is point three, and that's our duty. Our duty is just to simply believe. And I'm going to have to speed up here, but, but believing is a link with God's rescuing love. In other words, believing is what lets us take on and, and, and let God's love flow through us. Uh, there's no rescue without believing. We have to believe. Whoever believes in the Son of, has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains in him. So we got to make that link with believing to get the love. And for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whoever would believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Thanks, Robert. I'll be all right. Uh, so believing is an ongoing thing. It, it's not a one-time act. And I think a lot of us as Americans, we think we get saved and we're good to go. It's not a one-time act. It's that, that we continue on in the things of God. And we continue moving forward in the things of God. And you can read to, John twenty thirty one. We got to believe that Jesus was sent by God the Father and believe in that message again as we're talking today. And then again, we got to believe in the truth and be in agreement with God's word. And again, I'm rushing through these things today, but I got scriptures behind me. But, but so many of us want to argue God's word when we need to believe God's word. And it doesn't apply, you think? Well, it does apply. And when you're not working with God's word, you're not working with God. And so uh, part of believing is believing the word of God because Jesus is the word. And, and the word, uh, it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And, and in verse 14, that word came and dwelt with us. And then believing is a complete satisfaction in who Jesus is, meaning you don't need anything else. You don't desire anything else. John 6.35 says, and this is Jesus speaking, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In other words, we believe in Jesus so much that he's our total sustainer that no matter what goes on in our life, that we trust in him and we know he's got us. The other day, uh, I'm going to use an example of Jojo and Larry, if you guys want to put that slide up. But, but I've been giving it to Jojo ever since I found out she was going to be a granny. And, and she hates that granny. And man, I, I found out she didn't like to be called granny, so you know what I did? I called her granny. And anytime I could think of it, hey, granny, how's it going? And, and I'll never forget that, that when the baby came, and we'll wait, and they're not here today. I think it's too quick. But when they get here, we'll introduce the baby. They do have a name now. But, but anyway, the, the, when the baby was born, JoJo texted me, and, and she made this comment. And she said, um, I can take all the abuse you want to dish out. In other words, after she had that baby in her arms, she goes, you can call me anything you want to call me. You dish it out, I'll take it. And boy, the Lord spoke to me, and I said, man, that'll preach. You know, uh, 
I, 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 I wrote it down here, but, but I said that would preach because that's the way we need to get as Christians to the point that we love God so much that we'll take the abuse of the world and whatever the world has to throw at us, we don't care. That's what believing is. Is we get to the point that God's word says it, that's all I care. I don't care what the world thinks. They can call me granny. They can call me old school. They can call me whatever. I love Jesus. That's what believing is. And then the fourth thing is destiny. And guys, I'm sorry I'm rushing through these, but, but, but I want you to get them all today. And I didn't want to stop partway through. But the destiny is eternal life. You know, so we, we got all these things that God, just this little verse that he says to us that, that he warns us of a danger. He, he tells us about the design and it's, I love you. And then he tells us about our duty. And then he tells us, about the gift of eternal life. And man, I got 10 things on eternal life. But but John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. John 1.4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Uh, I am the, the John 14.6 that Landon shared this morning. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We find life through the Word. As we talked about earlier, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. We we find life in that Word. God draws people to life by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need to be open to share the gospel, because God uses everyone in this room. Your spirit will draw people to God. Because it's life. Your life to people. We receive eternal life through believing in Christ. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. He, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So eternal life, we see, begins at salvation. We see that, that John 5.24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It didn't say you'll have eternal life. It says you have. It's now. You have eternal life. And, and that's what should excite you. I think that's why the disciples were such great warriors for God and every one of them but one was martyred, killed for their faith And it didn't bother them because they knew to be absent from the body was to be with Christ. If we realize that eternal life started with Jesus, that nothing could sever the vine because we are the branches, he's the vine and nothing can sever that. It doesn't matter what happens to this mortal body. Preach the gospel. Stand your ground. If you get taken home, you get taken home. To this day, I don't understand why my brother Mark was taken home, but, but I think the Lord showed me the other day, it's because he always led our family and he led us to heaven first. But, but that's what we're living for is eternity. We're not living for tomorrow. Guys, I don't want to be 110 years old in this body. I don't even like being in my body now because I can't do what I used to do. I want to be in my eternal body. I want to be with Christ. 
if we understood that, I think it would change our lives. And the only way to change that and to, to get that perspective is to dig into the Word. Dig into church. Dig into prayer. I don't know about uh, my brothers here, Joshua and, and Gary and, and Jeremy, but Keith told me that the most important part of the trip that, that he loved the most was the time that us brothers had together in the morning. Rustin, wherever you're at, uh, there he is over here. That prayer time when we'd go sit in the coffee shop, what's God speaking to you today? And we'd just talk about the word and then we'd pray. Man, sometimes it went for two hours. And a lot of them said, we don't have that in America. And guys, that's what builds that relationship with Jesus that we so desire is spending time with him. My next point is eternal life is not interrupted by death. Did you get that? Eternal life is not interrupted by death. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus said. He's asking, do you believe it? Do you? Do you believe that? Are you giving it all up for him today? Eternal life will be made complete when our bodies are raised from the dead and reunited with our spirits. John 6, 40. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I'll raise him up in the last day. Eternal life will be forever and ever and you say, what do we do? What do we do? And a lot of people are saying, I'll ride a roller coaster. And I've even said that I'll catch up with, you know, John the Baptist or I'll catch up with Paul. But you know what? I think I'll be on my knees just praising God. But that's hard for us to understand because we can't even praise God through three worship songs. I shouldn't have said that. That was mean. But when we recognize Jesus, we will go to our knees but Ephesians three eighteen or 19, I think, kind of puts it when Paul wrote that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what I think heaven's going to be. You're going to experience the fullness of God. And, and you're going to love it. Are we secure in who we are in Christ today? Has the Holy Spirit convicted you? And I think I skimmed over that, but, but through salvation we've been given God. We've united with Him. We've got an awesome brother named Jesus that intercedes for us and that took on all of our sin, our past, present, and future. No ugliness will separate you from God once you're a believer. That's our brother Jesus. But they also sent the Holy Spirit. That John 14, 26 says he'll remind us of all things and teach us of all things. And Landon, you hit that well this morning. And you ought to go back and listen to Landon's sermon. 
because that Holy Spirit is here to minister to us today. And I believe He spoke to all of our hearts today and, and He's ministered something to you in your relationship with Him, with God. And all I ask today is that you respond to what the Holy Spirit has put on your heart today, whatever that may be.